Welcome to Sky Sport Next, our new initiative supporting grassroots sport and rising talent across New Zealand. I think school sport is now on a pretty slippery slope towards pure elitism. Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail, the uproar over televising school sport. This is not about some small high-performance series in a select group of sports. This is about all schools, all abilities, uh, minority sports being seen uh, and their one, once-a-year national tournament. We're proud to be investing in Sky Sport Next to give over 50 sports a chance to be seen and to grow. You know, I have no issues with Rob Riddell as a person. Um, but I do have issues with a company making money um, out of secondary school sport. I'm with NZME sports journalist Dylan Cleaver to find out why this deal is so controversial. The wealthy school, the schools with facilities, the school with resources will get better and better. They'll pour more and more resource into sport because it's a very effective marketing tool for them. And unfortunately, it's already happening. Other schools will not get poorer so much as they'll just give up. They just won't even have the pretense of running a robust sports program. I'm going to use an emotive word here, but I don't actually think it's inept. And I think that will be catastrophic for the future of New Zealand sport. Uh, Not at a high performance level so much, but at a community level. We're looking at a piece of paper with a diagram Dylan's drawn showing all the different players involved in this row. This is not a two-sided contest. It's a clash of sporting heroes, sporting organisations, government sport agencies, schools, parents, principals, and at the centre of the diagram is Sky. Sky Next is a platform uh, run by Sky TV, a YouTube channel. It's a partnership with the New Zealand Sports Collective, which is owned by um, former Olympic uh, single skulls champion Rob Waddell. Now, what what Rob has done is signed up around about 50 national sporting organisations, which we'll call NSOs from now on, just to, to make it a bit uh, easier. And he has, a, he has the marketing and commercial rights to those NSOs, and he's signed an exclusive broadcast streaming deal with um, Sky for their key events to be streamed or uh, I guess occasionally um, filmed on Sky Next channel. Is it all youth sport? No, no it's not and in fact I think most people if they were being fair would say that a lot of them are minority sports I think they range in size from probably something like rock climbing to something as big as basketball but they are sports that, particularly with the sports coverage in, in mainstream media being kind of retrenched over the years, particularly recently, the sports that struggle to get traction um, in the media struggle to get coverage. So it's actually a really good concept that you get some of these sports which barely get any coverage now get the opportunity to uh, screen their own events. Where the problem or where the issue has been is that part of uh, what the NSOs signed away was their youth or uh, school events, and that's created a bit of an uproar in the sporting community. And you've written a series of um, investigative pieces about that. You know, you've done OIAs on it, and when my producer said to me, do you want to do something on school sport? I thought, no, not very interesting. But when I started reading it, I thought it's fascinating, but also incredibly complicated because there are so many 
players involved. And, you know, your diagram there in the middle of it all is Sky TV. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Sky, to be fair to them, are probably a little bit surprised by the backlash. And and they, uh, to an extent, I mean, I'm sure there was very good strategy reasons for doing this, um, which we may or may not get into a bit later. But to an extent, they feel like they're doing a public service. These are sports that they don't have the capacity to go out and cover themselves anymore, but they're giving them a platform so and some money so they can film their own events and um, they have a platform to run it on. But it's whether the NSOs actually had the right to include the school sport as part of that. And schools themselves... Um, particularly schools in Auckland, who are the ones that have been most vocal against this, would say that, no, they don't. Auckland principals weren't consulted at all. The Auckland school principals were, were gobsmacked by it and just saying no one has ever discussed this with us. Angry principals called a meeting with School Sport NZ. Here's Auckland Grammar's Tim O'Connor telling RNZ Sports podcast Extra Time what happened. It's fair to say that was a, a pretty terse meeting um, where the feeling amongst the room across principals um, was that we didn't want to see um, secondary school sport being commercialised. He was saying, hang on a minute, uh, who has given Rob Waddell the rights to our sport. And we couldn't understand why uh, School Sport NZ and Sport NZ, um, as as we found out more, uh, why both these organisations would actually support um, everything that goes against what Sport NZ stands for and what School Sport NZ stands for, and that's that balance is better philosophy. And the, the problem was that one of the 50 NSOs that... Um, Rob had signed up was in fact Secondary School Sport New Zealand who would later admit that their consultancy process had gone badly astray particularly when it came to Auckland schools. So the story so far, Sky TV does a deal with Rob Waddell's NZ Sport Collective to stream minority sports on YouTube. Waddell has exclusive rights to about 50 sporting organisations. That includes televising youth and school sports. What's revealed is that School Sport NZ signed up for it and school principals knew nothing. There's more to come on this, but to understand why it's caused such an uproar, let's wind it back to something that happened in 2018. An ugly war of words has broken out between our top rugby schools over allegations of player poaching. A coalition of Auckland schools have boycotted playing St Kentigan College in 2019, with Auckland and even New Zealand rugby stepping in to help find a resolution. Got to be very careful not to conflate two separate issues here, although they are, they're related, and I'll try and explain how. One of the huge concerns that academics and players associations and, in fact, people that work within youth sport in Sport New Zealand itself have about the widespread screening of youth and school sport is the issues that flow on from that. Now, First 15 Rugby, which is not part of the New Zealand Sport Collective. It's mm-hmm. not, um, Rob Waddell doesn't, hasn't signed New Zealand Rugby up to this, but that's been screened on Sky for 10 years now. And there's a massive amount of learning that's come out of that for sport, and a lot of it is negative. 
And Why? it's created all sorts of issues and that, that St. Kent's recruitment row was probably the it's probably like the head of the snake it was the, it was the thing that finally got everyone looking at schoolboy rugby St Kentigan College a long standing production line of top rugby talent for years St Kent's was a fairly middling rugby team and over a fairly short period of time they built up an incredible program uh, widely considered the best school rugby program in New Zealand. But their rivals say more often than not that talent is developed elsewhere than poached. You can say it was partly jealousy, but also it was because uh, a lot of their success came from uh, picking extraordinary good players from other schools, dangling scholarships in front of them, dangling scholarships in front of the parents, essentially telling the parents that you're winning a six-figure lottery ticket here by um, us giving this opportunity for your um, kid to come to our school. Mount Albert Grammar are now one of 11 Auckland schools who refuse to play St Kent's next year unless they change their recruitment policies. And look, just using very basic generalisations here, if you're a West Auckland parent, a kid at a school and he's maybe struggling academically, the, the rugby team's probably not that flash, you're given this opportunity mm. for your son to play televised games because St Kitts are always going to be near the end of championships and playing in semi-finals and things like that. You're told it's this package is worth you know six figures. Most parents are going to be blinded by that. And let's be very very clear here that St Kitts were not the only school doing it. Mm. Uh, but the other schools finally had enough. They thought they were the most brazen, and so they said, right, no, we're not going to play you. Anymore. They boycotted them. They boycotted. Well, and, and in the end, I don't think they did, but they, the threat mm-hmm. was enough for St. Kent's to say, right, we're going to modify our recruitment behaviour now. Mm-hmm. And so the, a crisis was averted. But um, the very fact that that sort of thing was happening in school sport in New Zealand should really have been a huge wake up call to all levels of sport. I know it's a more serious business now than it used to be, but school sports should still be about playing with your mates, working your way up and aiming to get into your first 11, your first five, your first 15, by the time you get into your senior years with all your mates together. This kind of professionalisation of first 15 rugby turned all that on its head. And it wasn't just the fact that St Kent's and King's and your grammars and that were getting good players... It's the fact that these good players were leaving behind programs that desperately needed them. And I think Glenn Denham, mm. I've, I've quoted him, and for me his quote resonates more than any others in this entire series And that he said, it wasn't the fact we lost our best rugby player. He, um, To paraphrase, he couldn't give a toss about the effect it had on the rugby program. It was the fact that this kid was a amazing part of the school leadership he was a kid that everyone in the school looked up to and aspired to be like and all of a sudden he's gone from their community who really needed him to be just another rugby player at at a school that's already you know got the advantages of being an elite school and what people like the players association Heath Mills has been very vocal about it's created problems but at least the schools still have the power with that program uh, like Auckland Grammar, for example, says to Sky, you can bring your cameras in to film one home rugby game a year and we'll allow you to film one of our away games a year. That's it. Because they could see the effect it was having these kids 
um, in the first 15, suddenly feeling like they were professional rugby players. And that's what they were going to be in life, you know, because there were TV cameras there. A lot of the uh, ITM Cup and, and Super Rugby franchises were also reporting back that, hey, we're getting these players out of school into our programs now, and they're, they're pretty entitled. And really? they've got nothing else in their lives. Their identity is a rugby player, and that's it. And we're actually having to break that down and start again with them. So, so the the professionalisation of school sports not really working for us either at a high performance level. So let's be clear here: rugby is not part of the Sky Sport Next deal, but it's being held up as an example of what not to do with school sport. And so, what the people that are worried about Sky Next are saying is. Why, when we've seen what's happened to rugby, would we suddenly want doing it to all the other sports as well? Bringing in a camera and filming kids playing sport. The very fact that there's a camera there is kind of almost bringing in a sense of professionalism to it. Uh Um, And schools that are ambitious, schools that rely on fee-paying students are going to look at sport as a marketing tool Mm. for their hostels and that. And they're going to say, hey, secondary school championships are on TV now. We want to win that. It's Mm. great advertising for the school. And that could filter down to volleyball, water polo, anything you like. They're saying, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to send our sport further down this elitist kind of track? A lot has been said about the mental health side of things. Yeah. Is it Heath Mills who's mostly been talking about that or is it yeah. come from the principals as well? Yeah, Heath is the CEO of the New Zealand Cricket Players Association. He's also part of the Athletes Federation and himself and Roger Mortimer and Rob Nickel, uh, Steph Bond have all been very vocal about this and the fact that they're just seeing more and more kids come out of these sports programs at schools with real identity issues. But we know that there is an almighty collision that takes place um, where performance and commercialisation intersect. That's the New Zealand Athletes Federation boss Roger Mortimer on Extra Time. What you end up with is an increasingly tight margins for performance combined with increasingly high demands um, commercially. Um, and then when you add on extraordinary public scrutiny, what you create is a, is a brutal, ruthless, uncompromising environment. Um, and that's the environment we operate in every day under professional sport. Now, the really confusing bit is why are we letting this happen to our youth? They see themselves as sports people and nothing else, and when that doesn't work, they've got nothing to fall back on. They're seeing a lot of mental health issues. They're seeing a lot of pressure placed on these kids now that um, because the professional pathway, although these kids don't see a cent while they're at school, but because schools are now seen as part of that professional pathway that you've got to be on, that the pressure they're getting from um, their parents, from within their community, um, sometimes within church communities, is really intense and something that like, 15, 16, 17-year-olds really shouldn't be dealing with. So is it like a lot of criticism but also sort of hero worship type stuff? Yeah, um, a lot of criticism. Uh, it's always, I mean, you can... You can point to specific examples of young um, rugby players recently who have been abused on social media after making mistakes in televised school games. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's awful. But yeah, part of that is hero worship and probably uh, the more technical term for that now is entitlement. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there's yeah. kids um, who star at school and first 11s and 
basketball teams and first 15s kind of think that's how life is going to be for them from now on and mm. often get a really rude shock. Dylan says the question over who owns the rights to school tournaments still has to be resolved. Also murky in this saga are the decisions made by School Sport NZ and Sport New Zealand to back the deal. I've got to be a little bit careful here because Sport New Zealand are not particularly happy, I think that's fair to say, about how they've been represented in this. But the simple fact is that Rob went to Sport New Zealand once he'd already signed about 30-something NSOs and told them what he was doing. And Sport New Zealand then had an option, basically, whether they wanted to back this project or whether they didn't. I, I actually think it's that simple. They don't. What they did, though, is they've got very um, capable people working in that organisation and they came up with a list of concerns. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a massive list of concerns. And this is my personal opinion here. It's not just mine. Other people believe this too. A lot of those concerns simply couldn't be mitigated. And they knew that. Some could. But Rob went away and I'm probably in consultation with School Sport New Zealand and some of the NSOs said, right, okay, this is what we can do to mitigate some of these concerns. But what I've also pointed out was there was kind of competing schools of thought within Sport New Zealand itself, which made condemnation of this program impossible. I think it would have sent a really powerful message if Sport New Zealand leadership had actually said no. We can't stop you doing it. You're a private citizen. This is a private enterprise, but we cannot endorse this because we do not think that our concerns can be mitigated. Why Instead, though? Sorry, I'm sorry, but why Why couldn't they come out strongly? Just because it's Rob Waddell? Yeah, well, that's, that was the point of my story. One of my stories was that uh, there was very clear communication from a senior staffer at Sport New Zealand that we have to be very careful how we play this because Rob Waddell has multiple um, networks within the sport industry in New Zealand. He's New Zealand Olympic Committee chef de mission. Mm. He's a superstar. He's a very kind of charismatic guy. Like I imagine if I was... A lot of these national sporting organisations that he's signed up are real smell of an oily rag operations. If Rob Waddell walks into a room and says, hey, I want to do this for your sport, I imagine most of them have signed on the dotted line before he's even got the um, contract out of his satchel. And do you, this might be a bit of a tricky question, but what's his motivation? Is it to, is his main motivation to boost these sports and get more attention or is there a commercial imperative? Oh, there's, there's there? certainly a commercial imperative for, for Rob. So New Zealand Sports Collective is owned, 100% owned by uh, Woodell and Associates, which is his um, consultancy mm. firm. So he has the exclusive commercial and marketing rights to these NSOs now. He's I don't know the terms of his deal with Sky, but I think he's come out and said, yeah, yes, he gets a management fee from Sky for getting these sports to the Sky Next platform. And then, um, again, the deals would be confidential because they're commercial within the NSOs, but he would be clipping the ticket. And I don't mean that in a negative term, but just as a you know functionary term, he'd be clipping the ticket on all the sponsorship and advertising that this brings in. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. He still would argue very effectively that 
again, we're going back to the, one of the original points, these are sports that really struggle. All of these sports are really heavily reliant on government gaming and community funding. Rob Waddell here, talking to Joe Porter on Extra Time. Um, and so, yeah, being able to come together and work together has enabled us to diversify, to be innovative and try and shift away from that, but also has enabled some great outcomes like a consistent standard to look after the well-being of the students because that is number one. The problem is why is school sport part of that deal? So why can't they cut school sport out of it? That's that's extremely good question. That is the question, in fact. My guess to that is that Sky wants the, a youth market. This is the entry-level digital Sky for young people, that's what it would be marketed at. There's a suggestion that um, this is where Grant Robertson should step in, the sports minister. The guy's got mana. He's not just sports minister, he's finance minister, and he's leading New Zealand through some f- fairly um, troubled waters at the moment for obvious reasons that have nothing to do with sport. Mm. But I'm starting to hear more and more, where is Grant Robertson on this? The feeling is that he wouldn't be a big fan of widespread televising of youth sport, but we don't actually know that. But could he actually stop it? No, I don't think he could. See? But, but he, he could make make his feelings known yeah. and, and influence yeah. the... And I think this is this goes to Heath's point, Roger Mortimer's point, is that, uh, sure, you might not actually be able to stop this, but you can influence, you can cajole. If you're a sports leader in this country, you can make it pretty clear what you believe is a right path and what is a wrong path. Mm. And the feeling is that here that Sport New Zealand have not been strong enough in saying that this is not a path Mm. we want to take. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The details brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poak and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Dylan Cleaver. And if you want to hear more from Rob Waddell on this, you can listen to Extra Time. Kakite anō.